Hey yo, and welcome to the Badass is the New Skinny podcast. I'm Sabrina, here to chat with you about what it takes to look and feel like a badass. Fun fact, it's not about 1200 calorie diets and workouts you hate. Nope. Instead, we'll talk about lifestyle habits, mindset, and attitude around sleep, stress management, nutrition, and movement, all dumped in a great big bucket of self-awareness and personal growth. Each week, I'll give you strategies and actions that you can apply directly into your day-to-day life so that you're making sustainable changes over time. So if you're ready to get your shit together, for reals this time, put on your sassy pants and get comfy. Let's do this. Hey yo, how's it going my friends? This is my last podcast episode of February and I have to say I'm really happy about that. The only good thing that ever came out of the month of February is my niece, Samantha. Now, if you're a, your birthday is in February, then include yourself in that. But for me personally, <laughs> the only good thing to come out of the month of February is my niece, Samantha. Otherwise, this month is the armpit of the year and I'm ready to be done with it. So uh, it's freezing cold, but blindingly sunny, luring me into this false sense of security, driving me outside into the sunshine and making my ears so cold that after about 30 seconds, I can't feel them anymore. It's just the best. But I promise this is not a podcast episode about the weather. After all, it's a podcast, not small talk. But this is a podcast about something that does tend to go sideways for me, and it generally spikes to its worst point by February. Depression. And for a lot of people in the Pacific Northwest where I live, the issue is sad, as in seasonal affective disorder, which is a type of seasonal depression that typically affects people in the winter when it's dark, cold, gray, rainy, and gross. And I'm sure that this is really common in a lot of other places too, but I know that particularly where I live, it's it's an issue for us. So uh, it causes people to feel moody and lack energy. It's basically what it sounds like. It's seasonal depression. Today's conversation isn't going to be about depression or seasonal affective disorder, though, Rather, it's about how what we eat influences our mood and mental health. It's really important and especially interesting to me right now because if I can be maybe a little uncomfortably transparent for a minute, I've been feeling just like royal shit lately. There have been too many mornings where it has taken everything I have to get out of bed, too many evenings when all I can do is rewatch Parks and Rec while playing stupid card games on my phone, too many work days when I dread the meetings, presentations, and general bullshit that comes from working in the corporate world. There have even been too many days when I've slept for eight or nine hours and haven't had the energy to work out, haven't had the energy to prepare a healthy meal for myself. I'm pretty sure that some days in particular, if it wasn't for my roomie being so willing to cook and just be good company in general, I'd probably be opting for a lot of ramen noodle dinners. The point is, This has been a rough winter for me on top of my depression. My roommate is wonderful, but it's still an adjustment relearning how to share my space with another person. I said goodbye to Bella, which has by far been the worst experience I've had in quite a while. And then I got COVID. There's been a sprinkle of other things in there, some heavier than others, but you get the point. I'd also like to acknowledge here that when I have conversations with people... I hear a lot of stuff like this where there's just a lot of these big things going on. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned that on this podcast before, and I think we could really just all use a, use a break. And I really truly do try to practice what I preach. In this moment, I want to acknowledge that when you're going through a lot of shit, 
trying to keep up with the things you know you should do to support yourself is really hard. It's really hard, messy, and imperfect. And I'm not about to sit here and try to convince you that if you develop healthy habits that you're never going to have to deal with that struggle again. You will. We all have to, because that's just how things are sometimes. What I'm grateful for, though, is the practical, logical sense to understand a few things. This is temporary. I have tools at my disposal to help me. And every day that I tap into my self-awareness and take a step back for an outside perspective on the situation, I get stronger. And doing the things I know I should do gets a little bit easier, even if I still hate it in the moment. But it's also very discouraging when you do the things you know you should do and you still somehow feel like shit. For example, I try to prioritize sleep. I still walk nearly every day. I incorporate other exercise where I can. I journal. I take antidepressants. And even when I don't particularly feel like it, I try to engage in social time because I know I feel better when I spend time around people, even if it is exhausting. And for me, it really is. One thing that I'm not great about, though, is I'm not great about food choices, especially when I get into this depressive state and I just really have no shits left to give. Now, again, I have enough knowledge, logic, and practical sense to notice when I'm not making good choices, and I can interrupt those behaviors with better choices most of the time. And I feel particularly yuck when I go too long without making better choices. But there was an instance recently when I had the house to myself and I was walking around like a thundercloud, feeling kind of sick to my stomach, moody, exhausted, and unmotivated. In general, I've been struggling with the lack of desire to do pretty much anything. So anyway, because I felt a little sick to my stomach and just overall blech in my body, I knew that I'd pushed that overindulgence a little too far. And I don't know what made me think about it in the moment, but it made me wonder if my shitty mood might also be in part because of these regular overindulgences, which I'll be honest, usually took the form of chicken strip and french fry dinners and more than a single serving of some kind of cookie. I think part of my thought process was along the lines of, I know what I'm doing right and I still feel like garbage. So what's left to do differently so that I don't feel like garbage? And in the back of my mind, I knew that The food I eat does influence my mood and general mental health to some extent, but I didn't really know how much of a factor it was. Turns out, it could be a pretty big deal, and that's how I found myself down the rabbit hole of a field of study known as nutritional psychiatry. Quick disclaimer before I go any further, this is just a reminder that I'm not a doctor, I'm not a registered dietitian, and I'm not any sort of medical professional. I'm a health coach. That means that today I'm really just going to introduce you to the topic and what I've been learning about it at a super high level. I'm going to include some links to articles and research in the show notes, so if you wonder where I'm getting this information, I encourage you to check out those resource links. One of the most important things I found is that while the research has shown some promising results about how eating particular things can help improve mental health, that is not to say that eating a healthy diet is a cure for depression or other mental health conditions. There are so many factors that contribute to our overall mental health. I feel like this is kind of a well-duh sort of thing, but it's so easy to get caught up in the shiny new things that I don't want anyone to think that changing their diet is going to be some sort of magical cure, and then if they do that and they don't feel better that there's something wrong with them. Like any good research, studies have found conflicting things. 
It sounds strange, but it makes sense because there's not a lot that's absolute in this world. Another thing I want to mention about this is that there's a little bit of a chicken or the egg conundrum going on. Researchers don't really know for sure if some people experience depression because of poor diets or if people eat poor diets because they're depressed. There are important things to keep in mind because at the end of the day, being thoughtful about what you eat to support your mental health is just a tool in the same way that exercising to support your mental health is a tool. My curiosity around the topic is more about does a healthy diet help improve your mood? And if it does, what does that diet look like? When I say diet here, I'm not talking about a trendy diet for weight loss or whatever. I'm referring to it as in your diet, my diet, or essentially what foods you eat from day to day. So in reading through some articles and research, here are some of the more interesting things that I learned. The first is nutritional psychiatry and the research around nutrition and mental wellness is still pretty new, and nutritional research has largely been focused on the physical effects on the body. The fact that there does seem to be a connection between nutrition and mental wellness is, again, sort of a well-duh, but it's not something that was explored real deliberately until relatively recently. The studies cited in one article are from roughly 2016-2017 and on, so the impression I got was that up until this point, The attitude around it was sort of blasé, but now researchers are really starting to focus on it and take it more seriously. The next thing is that the general style of eating that supports mental health is one that is rich in whole, unprocessed foods. Think of the foods that don't have other things added to it. I also like to say, you know, think of unpackaged foods. But that's not necessarily true since things like meats and fish are whole foods, but they're processed and packaged for purchasing. So think of things like... Fruits, vegetables, meats, grains, legumes, beans, nuts, etc. If you really need a particular diet to use as a reference, the best example seems to be the Mediterranean diet. The Mediterranean diet includes most of what I just mentioned, though it limits red meats and suggests more fish and seafood in general. Research suggests that the Mediterranean diet may be best for managing depression and that limiting alcohol, caffeine, and added sugar may be best for managing anxiety. Though more research is still needed, as always, and we encourage that, you know, because we, as we learn new things, we ask different questions and it opens up different doors for us. So this is a good thing. This one is one of those that's also a little tough for me. I've been sober for coming up on two years, but caffeine and added sugar, oof. Uh, Caffeine will definitely be the toughest, but I know it's one that I want to address eventually just because I'm so hideously dependent on it. And in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, well, caffeine is really not my biggest issue right now. This one can really wait. And the more I read about uh, nutritional psychiatry, the more I'm like, maybe, maybe that's not one that I want to put off. So I'm still kind of chewing on that one. I'll let you know how that goes. But for right now, the idea of giving up caffeine is just, (laughs) it's why it's one of my few lifelines. So I'm just not, I'm not ready, man. I'm not ready. All right, let's, let's move on. So the next one I have for you is in the 2017 study in particular, weight loss was not a factor. The study reported that even though participants didn't lose any weight while on this diet of whole nutrient-dense foods and the avoidance of sugary, fatty, unprocessed foods, the participants' moods still improved. To me, this matters because it's not like the participants felt better because they lost weight. 
anecdotally, I think it's pretty common for a lot of people to believe that if they lose weight, they'll feel better and be happier. And I still think that can be true if they do it in a healthy and sustainable way. But I really like what this study found because it's a reminder that weight isn't everything. So again, with this particular study, you know, they found improvements in mental health, but no change in participants' weight. And again, I will link to that study in the show notes if you're interested. For the next one, in that same study, the foods participants ate were generally affordable and accessible. Across the board, food has gotten more and more expensive. This point really intrigued me that participants spent less on these healthier food items because so often I hear people saying the opposite. There are always going to be those who don't have access to affordable, nutrient-dense foods. So again, nothing is absolute. But it's encouraging that what this study found is not necessarily limited to those with significant financial resources. I believe that it ultimately comes down to knowledge and understanding about the benefits of nutrient-dense foods and how to prepare them in a way that's delicious without making them unhealthy. There's a joke in my family that goes something like, show me a healthy food and I can make it unhealthy. Kind of like using baby carrots as a ranch dressing delivery system. Next up, and unsurprisingly, the greatest physical and mental health benefit comes from an all-around healthy lifestyle, including exercise, quality sleep, managing stress, and not smoking. So again, this is something that can be helpful, potentially even really helpful, but it's not a magic cure-all. On this note, this is a decent way to judge if what you're reading is garbage or if it's legit. If you're going through and hearing that there's any one thing that will solve your problem, it's most likely, probably, almost definitely bullshit. I'm one of those never-say-never kind of people, but when it comes to health and wellness, any person or company who promises a single thing as a solution is full of shit, and you shouldn't give them the time of day. Our bodies are complex. Our minds are complex. Everything is really complicated and interconnected in weird ways, and we have our our history and our experiences. There is no one solution that's going to solve all your problems. I I wish there was. That would make things a whole lot easier. But the reality is that you're going to have to put in effort in different areas to see the most results. And that can get really overwhelming. And that's why on this podcast, I preach one thing at a time. So just keep that in mind and avoid any magic cure-all pills or snake oil or whatever. You get it. All right, so next, in one article, Dr. Drew Ramsey, a psychiatrist and assistant clinical professor at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York, holy cow, that's a mouthful, uh, is quoted saying that some people can eat and exercise exactly right and still struggle with their mental health. I think this is really important to call out because, similar to what I was saying before, some people can do everything right and still struggle. Health and wellness, be it physical or mental, is complex and complicated and interwoven so chaotically that there's nothing that will work for absolutely everyone. Especially with mental health, there have been so many conversations around the different kinds of things that influence it, like adverse childhood experiences, which is known as ACEs, trauma, genetics, and more. At the end of the day, I thought this was really important to call out again as a reminder that if you quote-unquote do everything right and you're not feeling better, that doesn't mean it doesn't work and that doesn't mean you're broken. It means that this might not be the solution for you. The last thing that I wanted to mention about how what we eat affects our mental health is in regard to what is known as the gut-brain axis or the gut-brain connection. 
Now, this is a huge topic. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty on this, but the extra short version of this is that the food we eat affects our gut microbiome, and because there is a connection between our gut and our brain, research suggests that the food we eat has the potential to influence our mental and emotional well-being. It's hard to talk much more about this without getting into a lot of scientific details, so if this is something that you're interested in, I've linked to an article about this specifically in the show notes. I personally find it fascinating, and it makes a lot of sense when you really think about it. And, you know, you may have heard the gut being called like the second brain. So, again, too much for for what we're talking about right now. But um, I did want to at least bring that up because it was something that came up a couple of times. And so I wanted to call some attention to that. Okay, so those are some of the top things that stood out to me. And I'm just scratching the surface. Now the question is, what do you do with all this information? One thing I will say is that if you're currently in counseling, on medication, and supporting yourself through other healthy practices and self-care, keep doing what you're doing. Don't stop doing those things. Don't drop everything and, and go full tilt boogie into this. Keep doing what you're doing. That said, I did see one article that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, cut out all processed foods for two to three weeks to see how you feel and slowly start reintroducing foods into your diet to learn what you can tolerate. This was frustrating to me because it downplays just how hard it is to do that. It's hard even for me to consider because while I have a roommate, I'm single with no kids and I'm only accountable for me. My roommate and I eat the same thing sometimes, but not always. So I hear this advice to, you know, give up processed foods for, you know, two to three weeks to see how I feel. And even just me, myself, and I, that does not sound like a realistic thing to do because it's really hard to sustain that in the long run. And I get that with this, it's not intended to sustain it, you know, entirely because she was saying for two to three weeks and then start reintroducing things into your diet. I think about that and I sound frustrated with this because I am. So if you have a spouse and or kiddos at home, I don't know. I just feel like the advice to give up all processed foods for a few weeks is so impractical in today's world. Would it be ideal? Yeah, probably. I bet that would be great. But even when you strip away the complexities that come up from trying to feed more than just yourself, if your eating habits are, let's say, 90% processed food, then completely doing a 180 and not eating any processed food for two to three weeks is pretty brutal. So let's think more realistically about this. For me, I am so, so, so tired of feeling like shit. I miss my energy. I miss being excited about things. I miss finding joy in hobbies. And I'm tired of walking around in a bad mood so much of the time. I've already started doing things like being more intentional about drinking more water and preparing more of my meals so that I'm less likely to default to dining out. I'm still early on in that process, but it's a start. What all of this means for me now is I want to continue researching this topic and while I'm at it, I'm going to take a break from the sweet and salty treats and really try to refocus on whole foods. Grilled chicken and veggies for lunch instead of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I am a child at heart. Peanut butter and jelly is one of my favorite things. But simple things like that are doable because chances are if it's complicated, I'm not going to stick to it. Also, I want to acknowledge here that simple does not mean easy. Sometimes things are simple to say, but they're still really hard to follow through with. Simple ideas can be difficult in practice. Beyond that, I have some habits to break. This past weekend, I stopped at the store to get beer to take to my mom because that's what I often do when I go visit her. 
And while I'm at the store, I get myself a monster cookie. It's just what I do. That's the sort of thing I can focus on changing. Another thing I can address is walking to Dairy Mart, which is our local mini mart, with my roommate for afternoon snacks on the days when we work from home. Sure, we're walking and that's great, but there's still a package of double stuff Oreos at the end of that walk. One of the more intentional things I am going to be doing for a while is I'm going to track what I eat and try to take some notes on how I'm feeling. Again, I'm going to keep this as simple as I can. I have a mood planner that I really like. I'll link to it in the show notes for you. And instead of using the daily sections to write down, you know, plans and my schedule and all these things, I'll write down how I felt and what was memorable to me. So this is a good place for me to reflect on what I ate and how I felt with that. And this will just kind of give me a place to start where I can start looking for trends. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just to help give me an idea. So if any of this is hitting home for you and you're wondering what, if anything, you should do next, maybe spend some time journaling about how you've felt so far and what your eating habits look like. Chat with your partner or a friend about what you're considering. Evaluate your habits and maybe try to identify one simple and easy change you can make that might help you get going in the right direction. The little baby steps add up, so don't get stuck in your head about whether or not what you're doing is enough. I know that this topic was really high level and maybe I was a little bit scattered and it doesn't really help much in terms of actionable steps you can take, but I hope that you at least found it interesting and it piques your curiosity. It definitely piqued my curiosity, but then again, I'm a major nerd and really like to try tweaking things with my lifestyle and habits to see how it makes me feel. It's more fun when it's just for the hell of it rather than because I feel like shit, but either way, this is something that I like to nerd out about. It's maddening to struggle with depression and to feel like my emotions and attitude are out of my control. So if there are things I can do that contribute to me feeling better and not letting my depression control my life, that's worth it to me to explore. And at least prioritizing whole foods in my diet and paying attention to how I feel is a simple step toward the possibility of feeling better. Will it work? Well, I know there are health benefits to it regardless, so I know I'll get something out of it. With any luck, the mental and emotional benefits will be part of what I get out of it. I'm going to wrap it up there, and I will continue to explore this topic in the future and share what I learn with you as I learn more about it. Thanks so much for hanging out with me here while I navigate all of these experiences, and I hope that what I'm learning along the way is helpful for you in some way, shape, or form. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, my friends. Please do something today that brings you joy and makes you smile, and I will catch up with you next time. Later. Many thanks for joining me for another episode of the Badass is the New Skinny podcast. I hope today's chat gave you some things to noodle on and that you're walking away feeling inspired and empowered to live a badass life. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please snag a screenshot of this episode and post it on Instagram, tag a friend or two, and tag me at sa.brina.brina. That's S-A dot B-R-I-N-A dot B-R-I-N-A. And include the hashtag badass is the new skinny. If you could also drop me a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, it would mean the world to me. For more of the good stuff, head on over to my website at sabrinabrina.com. Catch you next time. Later.